This is episode 18, Getting Healthy Sleep While Also Teaching Online. This podcast is for educators, academics, and parents who know that online teaching can be challenging, rewarding, engaging, and fun. Welcome to the Online Teaching Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Bethany Hansen, and I'll be your guide for online teaching tips, topics, and strategies. Walk with me into the Online Teaching Lounge. In today's podcast, we'll be talking about how one can get healthy sleep while also teaching online. Now, if you are partially teaching online, new to online, or you've been doing this a very long time, of course, we all have different levels of sleep or sleep experiences. Our job is not the only thing involved in our sleep life. However, when we're teaching online, as I've mentioned on several of these episodes, we often consider online learning to be an anytime, anywhere sport. Basically, when we are teaching anytime and anywhere, we teach all the time and everywhere. This is particularly true for anyone who is in a new circumstance due to COVID-19. Maybe you're typically a person who teaches live face-to-face courses, and perhaps you're experiencing for the first time a significant load of online teaching. If that sounds like you, this is definitely a topic we should all be looking at. So sleep and work performance have been studied for quite some time. The issue of sleep and adequate rest are so critical because sleep plays an important role in learning, memory, mood, and judgment. Sleep affects how well you're going to perform when you're awake, both your daily work and any kind of physical or athletic performance. The amount of time you sleep as well as the quality of your sleep are both extremely important. Now, if you don't get enough sleep, your body may not be able to fend off invaders or illnesses. It might take you a lot longer to recover if you become sick. Long-term sleep deprivation also increases your risk of chronic conditions like diabetes and heart disease. So sleep, getting enough of it and having a high quality of sleep are all critical right now They become a problem because there are very poor work-life boundaries when we're teaching online. And when we are doing this long-term, the consequences, if we don't resolve the problem, are these long-term health problems. And the research suggests that long-term our health is going to decline and, of course, our work performance is also going to decline. It becomes a sense of tiredness throughout the day. So we'll be sitting in front of that computer or that video camera trying to be productive and we're not able to do that. We'll struggle to stay focused in our meetings or while we're grading the work. We'll take longer to do it and we will be less effective and less accurate. So long term, it's going to have significant consequences on both the quality of our life and the time spent. Now for our students, it also matters. When we are not getting sufficient sleep and we're not at our best, we also have a lacking judgment, memory, and mood. This is going to have a direct impact on grading, on the quality of the lessons we develop, the quality of our engagement in discussions, and the politeness, kindness, and helpfulness of our responses overall and any messages we give our students. So our lack of sleep, if we're having a low quality of sleep, is going to not just impact us now and in the future, it also can impact our students 
and it can have a significant impact. So I myself had struggled in the past with managing good quality sleep. At times I still do. There really are a lot of factors involved in our sleep. As you may already know, lifestyle plays a factor, stress and anxiety throughout the day, the amount of caffeine you consume and at what time of day, whether you're consuming alcohol late in the evening or before bed, um, how much food you eat late at night, what kinds of foods you eat, and also different activities you have going on. So many things, so many things impact the quality and amount of sleep that we have. But there are a few things that we can all control. And while I am not a sleep expert, nor do I claim to be, I am an online education expert, and I've been there in the place of wanting to get better quality sleep, and I will share with you some of the things I have learned over time, as well as some of the research I found that is really helpful stuff that I think you will like. So we'll get into a little bit of steps, ideas, small things that we can change, and I do suggest that if you decide to make changes in your sleep routine or your daily habits or anything like that, just make one change at a time and see how it works. If you're doing anything um, really significant to try to create quality sleep already, if it's working for you, definitely continue doing that. If it's not working for you, I hope some of the strategies I have learned about that I will share today might help. So the first thing I'd like to share is actually strategies about your online teaching itself. That is the area I'm most comfortable sharing and the one in which I feel like there are so many ideas out there to help things go right for you. Some of you are facing the difficult challenge of transferring a course to the online modality that does not really seem to fit online learning. I feel for you. Um, I used to teach music appreciation in live courses, and when I started teaching them online, I wondered, is this really the best way to go? Can, can they learn enough? And actually, I found over time that while it was a different experience, yes, students did come away quite transformed many times by what they learned, so that the experience might be a little different and the outcome might be a little different, but most things can also be done well online. We just have to reframe them a little bit. Now, if you're not just teaching online, perhaps you're teaching in a hybrid situation or what we're calling now high flex. High flex has to do with opportunities for students to attend live or online or watch a video recording like of the lecture that would have been attended live. So you might have groups of students in different situations all in one course. They can either be choosing which of those formats they are going to engage with, or they might be assigned in groups. I hear some universities this fall are doing that. Um, so whatever works for you, it can feel like you're preparing for three different classes if you're going to have this kind of a setup. So I suggest taking a, an Excel spreadsheet and a, a set of columns, like three columns, and labeling one the live content to be presented during the class, label another column the online only content, and then label the third one the independent or self-paced content. Further still, you might have a fourth column that will be the measurements or the artifacts or whatever kinds of assessments, assignments, and submissions those students are going to give 
So regardless of the learning modality, whether it's live online or independently paced, the outcomes will still be measured. The learning objectives will still be measured. So you can have that column that has like the consistent uniform products students are going to give you. If you line those up in columns and then take your subject, whatever weekly objective, topic, or unit you're going to teach, you can sort of brainstorm or creatively think about how would I do it online? How would I do it live? How would I do it in a packet that someone's doing independently? And you can jot down ideas of how you might vary that in each of those settings. Planning this way makes it a lot more concise. It's going to conserve your energy and it's going to help you have a lower level of anxiety, at least a bit, and also be able to move forward with some confidence when you start teaching those classes. So on top of that, here is a set of tips to help also reduce or minimize your anxiety and your stress level while you're teaching online. The first is, when you're doing the actual teaching, find a time and place to do that online teaching. Focus on having it be the same place every time. You'll start to create a mental habit where your brain will anticipate you're going to be focused and getting to work when you get to that location. Now you have many responsibilities as an online instructor. You wanna prioritize these. Look at which parts of your day you can be flexible with and which parts of your day are the priority such as if grading needs to be returned today, that would be the number one priority. If there are messages to be replied to, that would be a number one or number two priority. Whatever your top of list items are, put them at the top. The most important things should be done first. Accomplish each part of your list and look to gain satisfaction as you complete these tasks. Give yourself some accolades, pats on the back, and smile. Help yourself feel a sense of completion. That is difficult to have online. And when you start to get a routine for it, it's going to help you feel great when you have done each part. Set some clear hours for teaching online. Set limits for the amount of time you're going to spend. When you're done at the end of what you would consider your working period or your work day, cut it off and don't go back to work until the next day. It seems convenient if you're with your family sitting around in the living room watching a program on television or watching a movie. It seems convenient to get out the computer and just grade a few more assignments. But you're going to be cutting into your personal life and you won't have one pretty soon because online teaching will go everywhere with you. So definitely set some limits, put a conclusion at the end of the day, and let yourself go from that commitment till the following day. This will help you to enjoy the other parts of your life, and it will also give you the strength to sleep enough, sleep restfully, and return refreshed to your next day. Find ways to separate your job and your personal or family life. Of course, this requires willingness. I remember a time years ago when I wasn't really willing to do that. I carried my cell phone around. I would check into the course on the phone. Anytime I had a moment... I just wanted to stay on top of those online classes. It started to really wear on me and it caused this sense of overwhelm that really didn't need to happen. So if you'll find a way to separate your job and your family or personal time, and if you're willing to do that, it's going to give you a lot of space and a lot more control over what you're doing. Do not cheat your health 
and do not cheat your sleep to do your online teaching. The students need you to be there for them, just like you need to be there for yourself and your family if you have one, or your friends and your neighbors if you have personal life and if you're single. You need to get into the online class, give consistent, clear feedback, engage, interact, discuss, answer questions, and then get out again. You will find success if you do a routine here, and if you're consistent, you will get it all done and you will feel a lot less stress and a lot less pressure. So as you do this and take time to manage your stress and take care of yourself, you're going to have a much better experience being online. And my experience tells me from having gotten through this myself that it does get better, it will get better, and you can do this. If you have a manager who supervises your online courses, you can also negotiate whether you might change some due dates before courses begin. If you have a couple of courses you're teaching, and if they all have essays due like on the same weekend or the same day, you can work with your supervisor or manager, or if you're in the K-12 system with your principal, or if you're totally responsible for it yourself, you can just make those adjustments. So planning ahead to move due dates around so that you're not overloaded with 200 essays on the same weekend would be very useful in reducing your stress and increasing the possibility of getting a good night's sleep. So I'm going to talk a little bit about habits that you might use to get a good night's sleep and I'll just go through the list here and give you some suggestions. So just a little bit of background, sleep is part of your autonomic nervous system this system is not something you can consciously control. It's basically the things that are in your subconscious brain or your primitive part of your brain. They include the heartbeat, the breathing, digestion, and sleep and other things. Because you cannot consciously control it, you have to indirectly impact different parts of your body and your lifestyle so that they will have an influence on your sleep. So the first thing I would suggest is to train yourself to anticipate when you're gonna to go to sleep. The best way to do that is by planning a consistent schedule and going to bed at the same time each day or close to it. I struggled with that myself. I have a little alarm on my watch that pops up that reminds me it's time to get ready for bed. Um, I love my family members and I will stay up a little later just to be with them and I have to be careful about that because it's very hard to go to bed at the same time every day if we are basing our judgment about that on other people. Secondly, it helps to create a routine. A routine might include setting up the space in which you're going to sleep by dimming the lighting, cooling down the room, and removing things that might demand your attention like electronics. Perhaps if you charge your cell phone in the bedroom, maybe you'll do it in an area away from the bed so you're not tempted to pick it up and read it as you're falling asleep. You might consider taking a warm bath or reading a book to calm down before bed you want to find a procedure that you can repeat, like, like putting on pajamas, brushing your teeth, reading for a few minutes, maybe writing in a gratitude journal, praying, and then going to sleep. So if you have a routine kind of like that, and you do it in the same order, your brain really likes to automate things. Pretty soon, it's going to catch on to this automated system you've got going. And as you do the steps, your brain's going to be calming down and getting ready for sleep too. About an hour before bed, a lot of the research suggests that you avoid doing things that energize you like exercising or watching television. 
So if you can put those things away an hour or more before bed, you're going to have a better chance of being able to fall asleep and stay asleep. And of course, you don't want to check your emails or teach your online classes right before bed either. Now during the day, if you prepare for this by, if you're taking a nap, not taking a lengthy nap, many of the suggestions I've found um, have been to not nap for more than 30 minutes. So if you do nap, keep it short. Likewise, you want to exercise. If you can even go for a walk 10 minutes or more during the day, some physical activity is going to give your body a little bit more stimulation during the day so that it's ready for sleep later on at night. Also, there's a lot of suggestion out there to limit caffeine at least six hours before bed. Some people will still be affected by a single cup of coffee even a full day later. So you want to know how caffeine impacts you and how early you need to put the caffeine away to make sure it's not interacting with your sleep. Also, if you're a person who drinks alcohol, it interferes with the brain's ability to sleep well and repair itself. So you might want to reconsider the habit of having that at all during the day or especially before bed. Avoid rich, heavy, or fatty foods before bed. Instead, if you want to have a snack before bed, you could have a warm glass of milk. Or if that really grosses you out, you could have a banana with some peanut butter or some other kind of a snack that has some protein in it. Um, I've already mentioned reducing screen time in the evenings like television, email, and grading or working in your online class. But if you absolutely feel like you have to be on your cell phone, there are some really great settings. You can try the night shift mode. You can turn on dark mode, reduced brightness. There's also this thing where most screens emit a blue light. So if you turn on the red light filter, it's going to stop giving your brain the sensation that it's daytime. I've tried that recently on my iPhone and I find that it is true. It actually gives you a different experience. Now in the room itself, if you have trouble sleeping when there's light, you might want to buy a set of blackout curtains or you can use an eye mask to totally cut the light out right to your face. I bought one of those about four months ago and it has been miraculously wonderful. No, I don't appreciate sleeping with an eye mask on my face, but if my husband is still awake and downstairs when I want to go to bed, and I, even if I shut the door and turn the lights off, I know that when he's coming into the room, maybe an hour later, there's going to be some light and it might wake me up. So if I put that eye mask on, I can stay asleep through that and it's going to give me a much better night's sleep. So what might prevent good sleep when you're teaching online or working online? Well, the first idea is that you might have a high workload because teaching online, we tend to think we can tackle more than we normally would. So I know some people who teach many different jobs online and when doing this, at times we can have a workload that is far too much for a normal human being. So be aware of your own abilities and your workload. And if it's something you do have control over, consider adjusting that if it's impacting you. Also, when we're working online, the more we do that, the more it begins to feel like we need to check into the classroom many, many times throughout the day, especially if we're teaching more than one class. So we might think, did I check it? Did I check it? <laughs> there might be another message. Oh, I might, I might need to check in on that student. And the more we 
compulsively get back into the classroom and check again and again and again, we start to condition our brain with a scarcity mindset. And a scarcity mindset is this idea that there's never enough time to get it all done. So the more we worry about the job, overload ourselves, or repetitively check in, the more we create that sense of not enough time. That actually creates a compulsion to be in the classroom more. Pretty soon we are doing less quality work because we're spreading ourselves way too thin and we're not having the rest that we need. So for online teachers, we often feel like there is far too much work to do and we don't have enough time or that we have a lot of commitments and our online teaching will eventually crowd out everything else so there's no time left to do anything else. This kind of worry makes it very difficult to think clearly and to get work done. It activates our fight, flight, or freeze response, which can also elevate the cortisol in our brain, making it difficult to sleep, but also increasing weight gain, another problem that happens when we don't sleep enough. So I've said a lot here, and I've shared a lot of tips and strategies and suggestions, but I want to just introduce a mindset that can help temper all of these workload concerns I mentioned, balancing it all, and also shifting the mindset into a place of abundance in the understanding that there is enough that it can get done even if it's not done to the quality you wish it was or if it's done differently than you hoped it would be. So the first thing is for our own emotional well-being, changing from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset, it can happen extremely well when we start to focus on gratitude and things that did go well. This is a perspective we take from positive psychology. This is a scientific study of human thriving, and it, it really is where we focus on our gifts, our talents, what went well, what successes we had, and it helps us to start to fight against anxiety, worry, and stress taking over. So if we do it as a habit, we are going to be able to do it more, and it's actually going to change the tone of all of our interactions throughout the day. Thinking about this at the end of the day, I mentioned maybe you want to have a gratitude journal as part of your bedtime routine. It could also be done early in the day. It could be reflection on yesterday. It could be midday, whatever works best for you. And of course, you can do this in a notebook or on some kind of electronic device, uh, whatever it is that you're going to use at the time. I would suggest five or 10 minutes doesn't need to be very long. But definitely make it a habit for at least three weeks every day. After three weeks every day, you're going to find this habit will yield wonderful returns. So the first thing would be to set aside five or ten minutes and simply ask yourself, what went well today? Think about it. And then write down three things that went well and why they went well. As you start thinking about these things and the reasons behind them, you will start to get more detailed. You'll start to uncover really great solutions for the future. Anything could be on your list. It could be a small thing, could be a large thing. For example, when I make my list today, there's something I did last night. I was chopping some weeds from my front yard and they happened to be in the gutter of my street. So there were some weeds growing between the crack and the pavement and I chopped the weeds out and I left them sitting in the road because it was getting dark. So this morning 
I was going to go outside and pick up all the weeds and throw them away. Well, as I was sitting in my office, I saw a truck coming up the street. It was a street sweeper. Maybe once every two years, I have seen a street sweeper on my street. This was really rare and shocking. That street sweeper came around twice. And when I went outside, every bit of those weeds I was going to clean up was gone. It was something pretty awesome, I thought. So in my what went well list for today, I'm definitely going to write down my work paid off and I did not even have to clean it up. That went well. And it was a surprise, not something I planned, but what a great thing in my day. So think about what you might write in a what went well list. And that might be a good strategy to start turning your mindset to something a little bit more focused on the positive. Now, another routine I'd like to suggest is a a three-step routine to help curb your exhaustion if you do have some exhaustion day to day. These are easy changes you can make and you can experiment to establish a better healthy sleep pattern and improve your overall sense of well-being also. So the first step would be to take stock of how you're feeling in the morning. Just pick a day and on a scale of 1 to 10, how rested do you feel? And also, how many hours did you sleep? And then step number two, pick one thing to change and just do it for three nights in a row. Here are some suggestions. If you need to take a nap, Take the nap before 5 o'clock at night and make sure it's no longer than 30 minutes. Another suggestion would be to avoid caffeine after 4 p.m. Substitute with something else like seltzer water, herbal tea, or just plain water. Another suggestion would be to set your alarm and get up at the same time every morning, something that seems reasonable to you. Another suggestion would be to avoid alcohol during four hours before you go to bed. Another suggestion would be to keep your bedroom dark and quiet and consider having no electronics in there or removing the TV if there is one, or you could just keep it turned off. So these are some strategies and all you need to do is choose one and do it for three nights in a row. So remember, you're gonna start with step one, which is to rate how rested you feel in the morning and how many hours you slept. And for those three nights, you're going to do one of the things you pick. And then lastly, each day when you wake up for three days, you want to record what you noticed. What strategy did you try? How rested did you feel on a scale of one to 10? How much sleep did you get? How many hours? And is it working? So you can find just by making one small change at a time that you can have a better quality of sleep and feel a lot more rested. Now, this is your call to action. You can try the what went well strategy. You can try the three-step sleep experiment for three nights. Or you can try any of the many suggestions I've shared with you today. All of them have benefited me or my colleagues that I have worked online with for many years. And so I share them with you from research I have conducted, but also a place of experience. I hope you will give it a shot. Um, I know that you can benefit from better quality sleep if you're looking for that. And you can more fully enjoy your online teaching as you do so. I wish you all the best this week and hope to hear back about how it went. This is Dr. Bethany Hansen, your host for the Online Teaching Lounge podcast. 
As you try out these ideas, visit my blog and share your results. How did they work? What would you add? Any suggestions, comments, or questions? Best wishes this week in the grand online teaching adventure.